Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, October 9th, 2017. We are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 155, the second paragraph. Today's readers are Karen T. on the 12 Steps, Melissa C.K. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the tests are Catherine M. and Deb W. The reference numbers for yesterday and this morning, yesterday, October 8th, the special edition meeting, the reference number is 10,515. And for this morning, October 9th, the 7th a.m. meeting, the reference number is 10,526. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Karen T. to read the 12 steps of OA. Hello, this is Karen. Can you hear me? And Karen, thank you. Great. So this is Karen, Covered Compulsive Overeater from New Orleans. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Kathy Kay, and I pass. Thank you, Karen C. I will now ask Melissa C. Kay to read the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, Kathy. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Good morning, everyone. This is Melissa C. Kay, Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Chattanooga, Tennessee. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting group, other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for allowing me to do service, Kathy. Have a great day. I pass. Uh, thank you, Melissa C.K. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share in what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 155, the second paragraph, uh, when our friend related, and we will read four paragraphs, and I will ask Catherine M. to get us started. 
And Catherine, please comment on the last three paragraphs. The first one is for context only. Okay. Uh, my name is Catherine M., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Seattle. Can I be heard? So Hello? I can, I can hear you, Catherine. Okay. Great. Uh, when our friend related his experience, the man agreed that no amount of willpower he might muster could stop his drinking for long. A spiritual experience, he conceded, was absolutely necessary, but the price seemed high upon the basis suggested. He told how he lived in constant worry about those who might find out about his alcoholism. He had, of course, the familiar alcoholic obsession that few knew of his drinking. Why, he argued, should he lose the remainder of his business only to bring still more suffering to his family by foolishly admitting his plight to people from whom he made his livelihood. He would do anything, he said, but that. Being intrigued, however, he invited our friend to his home. Sometime later, and just as he thought he was getting control of his liquor situation, he went on a roaring bender. For him, this was the spree that ended all sprees. He saw that he would have to face his problem squarely, that God might give him mastery. One morning, he took the bull by his horns and set out to tell those he feared what his trouble had been. He found himself surprisingly well-received and learned that many knew of his drinking. Stepping into his car, he made the rounds of people he had hurt. He trembled as he went about, for this might mean ruin, particularly to a person of his line of business. At midnight, he came home exhausted, but very happy. He has not had a drink since. As we shall see, he now means a great deal to his community, and the major liabilities of 30 years of hard drinking have been repaired in four. So when he first meets Bill, you know, it, it just kind of glosses over some of the stuff where, yeah, Bill, you know, makes a few calls and all of a sudden, hey, he's with Bob. And Bob had actually been working with his local Oxford group for a couple of years, or they'd been working with him, really. He'd just been kind of showing up, and they decided that, you know, Henry Sieberling decided that he was this project, that, that she was going to, you know, bring him about. But it didn't work. So what was different? What was different is that Bill knew what he was talking about, and Bob knew that Bill knew what he was talking about. So they talked for a long time. He said, yeah, we'll just talk for a half hour. And then, you know, they end up talking like half the night. But at this point, they invited Bill and, and Bob invited Bill to go stay with them. And uh, so that was Mother's Day. But then it was getting on to June and Bob had to go to a convention, a medical convention. And he'd always gotten drunk there. And so they're all saying, well, you know, what do we do? And Bob said, or Bill said, well, you know, when are you going to start doing this for real? You, you, you can't live in a world without alcohol. So if you're going to go, go. And he went, and of course, he gets roaring drunk. Now it says, you know, this was the spree that ended all sprees. Of course, we never exactly know when that last spree is going to be. Uh, my first step sponsor said, you know, you, you hit your bottom when you stop digging. So he had to dig more. He had to do that, that last spree. And then he saw that he would have to face his problem squarely that God might give him mastery. And, you know, I think, I, I know for me, I had this, this kind of delusion in a lot of ways, you know, like it, it, if I was sneak eating, the calories didn't count, and, and somehow God didn't know everything that I was actually doing in my life. And, of course, God saw everything. And, you know, God saw into the heart of me. And the miracle was that 
even though I, I had this, this spiritual experience where I knew that God saw into me, I knew that God absolutely loved me, 100%, every bit of me, as low and despicable and disgusting as I'd felt with all of my binging and, and everything else. So Bob faced God. He, he came home, uh, or he came back from the trip roaring drunk. He, he was so drunk he almost couldn't perform surgery, but Bill gave him a bottle of beer. He went, he did the surgery, and then he didn't come home, and they were freaking out, thinking, you know, he'd vanished. But he knew that what he really had to do was go out and make his amends, and he was terrified, thinking, okay, if people know I'm an alcoholic, then I'm, I'm going to lose my career as a doctor. But he couldn't keep his career as a doctor unless he went out and did the work and finally did the amends, and that was what it took to finally keep him sober. So thank you for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you, Karen. Um, who would like to share on the last three paragraphs read? This is Karen. Karen from California. Merle. John K. Okay, wait a second. Reggie O. and John K. Um, okay, I have Karen T. Merle, I didn't get your last initial. Marin uh, A. Marin A. Okay. Reggie O. and John K. One Wendy M. Wendy M. And I'll take one more. Paula D. Who D? Who is that? Paula. Paula D. Oh, hi, Paula. Okay. Thanks. Okay, here we go. Um, let's begin with Karen T. Hello, this is Karen. Can you hear me? I can. Great. Karen T., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Louisiana. So he um, realized he had to take action or he was going to go on another bender. And so he went out and made all of his amends in one day. And he didn't talk to his sponsor first, <laughs> right? It's really suggested now in L.A., that we uh, do some work before we go out and make our amends. Amends is step nine. As Kathleen M. just said, we had, he had been, no, Catherine M. said, we had been, he had been working with the Oxford group for about two years before. So he knew the amends that he needed to make from that work, I believe. So he was able to do it. Um, uh, all quickly like that. But it is suggested in OA that we do not go it alone. Um, and it does say that in um, the amends part, I believe, not positive about that, but the amends part of the big book, um, step nine section, that we um, don't go it alone. Um, now, of course, he did have his higher power with him, of course. Um, so I just wanted to to point that out. I um, I had a sponsee once who made amends um, before she was ready, and it did do some harm. Um, so that's been my experience. So just um, it's very important to do this work quickly, but in the right order. So I, I guess with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Karen T. Marin K, please go ahead. Hi, Marin K. Thank you, moderator. 
Um, yeah, I like this, how he says he his problems squarely, he might bring them to God to get mastery. And he took the bull by the horns and went out to tell people that he uh, made his amends. You know, I had to go into a hospital to stop my bulimia and my compulsive overeating because I uh, could not do it just going to OA, but I, I needed outside help. I have been a member of OA for 23 years and have stayed abstinent. Um, I uh, think that when I'm making amends uh, started immediately for me, once I stopped uh, my purging and my compulsive overeating and had squarely faced God by going and admitting myself to in a hospital. Um, no longer in denial about my anorexia and my bulimia and my compulsive overeating, I was able to get better. And I think immediately after that, I started to make my amends to my family and friends. And um, now it's a living amends. And um, I can see how, you know, he he really wanted to tell people he had changed. But like someone else said, I I think that we have to be really sure that we've done all the steps before we do that. And um, although I do think that once we stop our behavior, we've already made making amends to the people that we have harmed. Thanks for letting me show. Thank you, Marin Kay. Uh, Reggie O, please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service and everybody that's on the call this morning. This is Reggie Oh, gratefully recovered here in the Los Angeles area. And, uh, yeah, but this is very powerful. You know, um, he, you know, in the, the first paragraph, the the intro paragraph today, it was like, uh, why should, you know, he, he, he had that familiar obsession, which I certainly know, that he sh- he would lose the remainder of his business if pe- he went about telling people, you know, he was, I, I think, doing the amends or restitution. I think it was called from the uh, Oxford group. But he that was just something he wasn't willing to do. He was had too much fear he would lose his livelihood. And um, and as we, you know, as I, as I know, certainly, you know, he then he thought he had control of his situation. Uh, even though he loved everything Bill said, invited him back over. I'm sure they still had plenty of, you know, 12 step convers or step co- recovery conversation at that point. And uh, and then he had that that spree to end all sprees, which was really a gift. Um, and he set about he set about doing the amends, which we know is the ninth step. And you know, I is in, in my time in program, and that was it. He he hasn't had a drink since, you know, and he made the difference in thousands of lives, you know, in the rest of his life as a result of doing that. And I I had uh, done the steps multiple times before I came to uh, vision, and I would always make lots of the amends, but I never completed them. And that in in the in most of OA, you know, outside of vision and in another program I was in once. That's what I noticed. You know, people would fall off at step four and they would fall off at step nine. And uh, I certainly not completing step nine, never, never stayed, uh, never stayed abstinent. I did for a long, you know, pretty long period of time once, but I I went back. And um, so there's something about completing. I completed, I completed step nine in vision and made, you know, 
acknowledged uh, something that I never thought I could acknowledge. It was the, you know, it was the one amend on my ninth step, on my eight step list that I just never thought I could do. It was over 30 years old. And, uh, and it was something that I actually, that no one did know about and that would probably have never found out about except for me, you know, it had been somewhere unconsciously eating away at me for those 30 years. And, uh, and I made the amends, and that was, you know, that was my spiritual experience back in the uh, back in the fall, previous fall. So it's big, you know. It's really the the ninth step. I think is what this is really focusing on, and it is it is huge to complete that. I'm very grateful that the person who took me through the steps had me make uh, had me complete my amends before moving on to step ten. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Hello. Sorry, Kathy I, Kate. Okay. Yeah, I'm, sorry. Thank you, Reggie O. Um, John K. Please go ahead. <laughs> Good morning. This is John Kiernan, recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles. I thought I went deaf. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and this Dr. Bob's story, you know, uh, you know, it, it, I, I sort of think it's funny they put this here. It's almost like, well, if you're not going to get to read Dr. Bob's nightmare, let us tell you a little of what happened here. Um, but first, I just got to, uh, I, I laugh at this one thing about many of them knew of his drinking. It's like, you know, none of this stuff is a surprise to everybody, but anybody but us, you know. I, I always found the phrase overeaters anonymous to be a bit humorous, because at least in my case, my anonymity, you know, it was broken as soon as you looked at me. You know, you can't tuck 300 pounds in your back pocket, you know. Um, Orson Welles once said, gluttony is not a secret vice, you know, and it was certainly true with me. But, you know, I look at this and I hear Dr. Bob talking about the possibility of losing everything as a result of working the steps, you know, for this might be ruined. But he did it anyway. That's the key to me of recovery. Surrender, surrender, surrender. You know, this is a person saying, okay, I'm done. And I think what you're suggesting is going to ruin me, but I'll do it anyway. You know, that's surrender. That's a perfect example of, of open-mindedness, you know. I used to say before I came to the program I was open-minded, but I looked and realized I wasn't, you know. I would try something you suggested if I agreed with it or I thought it might work. But you know what true surrender is? It's Dr. Bob thinking he would be ruined, but he was willing to go to any lengths anyway. There is no half measures in being, uh, you know, willing to throw away your career. And, you know, I... Um, I really believe in that, you know, uh, one of the real keys in recovery when you come in is to take direction. You used to hear that phrase a lot more, take direction. And and it's hard because we want every newcomers to feel, oh, you know, you you can make this. And and uh, it really frustrates me sometimes. I see us trying to pander to a newcomer's disease instead of saying, hey, it's right there, page 58, willing to go to any length, half measures avail us nothing. And... And I believe in taking direction, especially when it comes from my sponsor. I always say some of the stupidest things that were ever said to me were said to me by a sponsor. And what I mean by that is I would hang up the phone and go, well, that's the stupidest damn thing I ever heard. But, you know, I came from that other program where they taught me to, you know, bitch and moan, but do it anyway. So I would do whatever that sponsor told me to do. And as soon as I did, I could like slap my head and go, that was exactly what I needed to do. But I didn't filter it through my diseased brain. I just took direction. And, you know, I always tell newcomers that quick and dirty first three steps are, one, 
You've had your entire life to fix it. If you could have done it by now, you could have done it, you'd have done it by now. Two, there are people here who have done what you haven't been able to do. Three, ask one of them to be your sponsor and then do what they tell you to do. You know, and I think that's the key. You know, I was um, I was working yesterday. I got this new writing project I'm working on. It's about practical tips of getting out about getting out of relapse. And I got pages and pages of notes. And when I started trying to organize them, I realized I, all of this comes down to surrender. You know, I have to stop negotiating with my disease. You know, out here in L.A., there's this great old-timer who always says you can't negotiate with your disease. It's always going to win the negotiation. And and that's the key. And then the other thing is to get time. Uh, right up, right up. They get to get through these steps as quickly as you can. You got to get through this ninth step as soon as possible. Realize, in my disease, I was plummeting the earth, and I had a parachute called away, and I I couldn't wait to pull that ripcord. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, John K. Wendy M. Please go ahead. Good morning. Yeah, Wendy M. Recovered in Colorado. Grateful to be on the line. Uh, and thank you, God, for the absence I have this morning uh, and all of you. I can't tell you what it means to me to be on this line every day. Um, and Kathy, thanks for your service. So, yeah, it says here, facing his problem squarely. I never faced anything squarely. Everything was, you know, one side or the other coming out, you know, another way. Facing his problems squarely, never, ever did that. Um, and it reminds me, uh, looking the world in the eyes, that I can look the world in the eyes finally. And the freedom that I get from that, the exhilaration that I feel, you know, when I've done my ninth step, um, you know, and they say, don't delay, just do it. And um, so often, I want to do it perfectly. I, I'll wait until it's perfect. You know, and I hear this and I get calls from, you know, from folks saying, I just need to figure it out, and then I'll be amends. And it really is an action program. It's really like, it's good enough, go do it. Go do it, and don't overthink it. Um, and um, as I said, to face my problem squarely today um, is exhilarating. It is beyond my wildest dreams, because I never, ever knew I was going to have the courage you know, and it's not me doing it, right? It says here, God might give him mastery. Absolutely. Um, last night I made a phone call, terrified, trembling, just like Bob, just like Dr. Bob. Um, absolutely terrified to make the phone call because what was going to happen is I was going to be honest. And what was going to happen is I was going to face the feelings I actually did have and share that with another human being and tell her exactly how I felt. That setting a boundary, which I've never known how to do, right? Because what I used to do is just, I'll leave. Like if it's an uncomfortable situation, I'll leave you, and then I will eat, and I will gossip about you, because that's all I knew. Those were my tools. Um, and today, I don't have to do that. I have tools where I can face my problems squarely, and I can call all of you when I forget how to do this, which is pretty much every day. And then you show me, and then I get to go do that. Um, and I love hearing negotiating with the disease. The disease will always win. And you know what? Here comes some honesty. How about facing my coffee drinking squarely, right? Using coffee, using coffee, using coffee. You know, and this morning I finally wrote to God, and God said, yeah, you know what? We can let that go. We no longer have to hold on to that dishonesty. 
because the coffee is a dishonesty. It fills me up so I don't have to eat as much food. Or it fills me up because I'm afraid, because I'm scared, because I'm, I'm I, whatever I'm doing. It doesn't even matter because I'm having a feeling. Oh, and the coffee is um, giving me ease and comfort. Well, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm so done. I'm so ready to do a ninth step around my coffee. And, um, oh, my God, what freedom I get on the other side when I'm willing to have the courage, the courage that Dr. Bob had when doing his nine steps. It's profound, and I'm so grateful to be on the line. Thanks so much, and I pass. Thank you, Wendy. Um, uh, Paula D., please go ahead. And thank you, and this would be Paula D. Thank you for your service. And uh, currently I am in New Hampshire, still recovered by and with the grace of God, no matter where the place. And I'd like to zero in on a line, if I may, because I just love the way described things in the big book. Take the picture. One morning he took the bull by the horns. Honey, can you think about it? Get a bull by the horns. You know what he's going to do? Just what he did. All in his head. All in his head. Toss this way. What does the bull do? Toss this way. You hold on, though. Toss this way. Oh, my. Now they're going to know. Oh, my. This is going to happen. And then we continue to read on. But he still took the bull by the horns. No matter where we tossed him, he held on. And you would say, well, that doesn't sound like surrender. It is surrender. Because he knew this is what he had to do. And he couldn't do it. And he knew that. But remember what he said a few lines back about a spiritual experience? A spiritual experience he conceived was absolutely necessary. But the price seemed high upon the basis suggested. Well, isn't that always the thing? Look, I'll pay a price. Oh, but not that price. That's way too high. See, my ego, my ego was always, always, and until that could be surrendered, it doesn't matter what they think you do. It doesn't matter what you say you live. And that's what he did. He went out. He went out. And what would you say? Oh, and he had a binge. Well, that's it. <laughs> Where did it take him? High? Only then did he know from the place that he was in what truly surrender was. And he could knew he could not live this life. And I love, and I'm just going to, and I also, by the way, why do I see this? Because I knew the picture. I knew the picture. But today, if I could paint you a picture of recovery, no more bull by the horns. Make amends. Happy to. Happy to. Asking God to show me always, always. Because I don't see it. So I disguise even that, the way I tried to disguise my weight, yet everybody knew. When I was too heavy? Oh, wait a minute. My goodness, Paula, what's happening? And I thought I looked wonderful. Here again, always a disguise. And here we see revealed, no disguise. You go out, you knock gently on the door, and always remember that word, Back of the book, spiritual experience. He tapped. He tapped. So I tapped and I go and I make amends. And I live a life that's free. How is accepted? There I put a prayer out. And there's my time. 
and thank you. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Paula D. Okay, we can take another group. Who would like to share? Lindsay H. Lindsay Lisa J. R. Lisa J. R. Camille P. Sherry K. B. Camille P. Sherry K. B. Deb W. Deb W. Take one more. Okay, we'll stop there and see if we have any time left at the end. Lindsay H., please go ahead. Hi, everybody. This is Lindsay H., Recovering Compulsive Overeater from South Florida. And um, this is my first time on the line. Um, so I'm excited and nervous, but um, up until now, I've just been listening to recorded meetings um, from a vision and or I should say pre-recorded. Um, so it's my first time listening in on a live meeting, and I'm just so grateful this morning um, for my recovery and for my abstinence. Um, I am a newcomer. I've been doing this for a little over three weeks now, although I've been coming to OA meetings for um, a few years. So I uh, went to a... OA retreat in Minnesota um, in mid-September, and um, it kind of, it was what I needed to uh, set me on the right path. Um, So here I am today, and I just want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart for helping me up until this point. This, um, these, these online or these uh, phone meetings have been just so profound for me, so thank you. I love this reading. It really does kind of zone in for me on the ninth step and how important amends are. Um, You know, resentments being our number one offender. And um, I just was, you know, kind of thinking about, um, I guess you could call it a, a living amends because, you know, I was abstinent at the time. But probably sometime last week I was having a, a run-in with a coworker, and I was—I noticed that I was butting heads with her, and we were the tension was building at work, and I could feel it really was like kind of feeding my disease because I felt um, irritable and anxious, and I just, you know, without having that, um, you know, escape, I wasn't able to go and you know and and stuff food in my mouth to kind of hide the feelings. I was really feeling it. So um, a couple nights ago, I, I got home from work and I said, you know what, I can't do this. I have to call her. So before I even got out of my car to come inside my house, I, I, I texted her and I said, hey, you know, can I call you? And long story short, I, um, I got on the phone with her and I, and I basically just, I squashed it. I, I made, you know, I made, um, I I made it, you know, a point to tell her, listen, you know, you know, I, I don't have anything against you and, and there was nothing intentionally done, but it was just like that personality. You know, it was just personalities clashing. And, you know, I just appreciate this part in the story because it's like, you know, I kinda had to reveal my um you know, a little bit of myself to her just to be able to say, Hey, listen, like let's just let's just be cool. And uh, it really helped. And the last, 
um, paragraph, at midnight, he came home exhausted but very happy. I'm... I can't tell... I can't tell you the feeling that I had when I walked inside my house, just feeling relieved that I didn't have to sleep with that burden. So um, I am so grateful to be on the line, and I'm also looking for a step sponsor, um, preferably uh, through a vision. So I'm going to hang out after the um, the time is up to um, hear for uh, available sponsors. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay H. Yes, we will call for available sponsors at 10 of the hour, so do hang around. Lisa J.R., please go ahead. Hi, um, everybody. Good morning. I'm Lisa J.R., um, recovered just for today by God's grace, and I um, thank you all for being here on the meeting. Um, I'm going to zone in on the line. He trembled as he went about, for this might mean ruin, particularly to a person in his line of business. In my line of business, um, weight is king. You can't, you know, you couldn't be overweight. You couldn't be, um, you couldn't have a problem. It was just the way it was. And you couldn't, you couldn't show your disease. And many people, you know, like myself, suffered in in um, dishonesty. Um, I've been suffering from this disease for most of my life, um, but um, it didn't really start to show on me. I love, I love what the previous uh, caller, the Orson Welles uh, quote, because it didn't show on me till late in my disease. So God has a way of taking care of us. He really does, because I was headed into my ninth step with total dishonesty. Um, I was afraid. I was trembling. God, if I got found out, I would be ridiculed beyond belief. People would, um, people would be very unkind. It's just the nature of the business. And so as I go about this, um, God intervened for me. And he, it was almost like he ripped the Band-Aid right off of it. Um, I had a OA uh, workbook um, one that's very popular with um, big book people. And I was, I was doing my OA workbook and I took it to work and I accidentally left it in my desk. And I came back the next day petrified that somebody had seen it. And lo and behold, it was gone. Somebody must have worked in there and seen it and taken it. And it had all the intimate details of my life um, and my food disease and, and everything. And I just was like, you know, faced with what do I do? Just quit my job or <laughs> just flee for my life. And that was my first inclination, but obviously that wasn't possible. So, you know, um, I've had a coworker that I think saw the book. It, it finally reappeared, but I had a coworker come to me and ask me about um, food recovery. And it was, um, I got over my, my fear in that instant when I came back and found that book was gone out of the desk. Um, and I went about like, you know, I did take the bull by the horns because you know what? Everybody knows already it spreads like wildfire. Um, and I've been able, it, you know, God used it um, in a good way because I've been able to help people in my industry um, with food addiction and it's just been a real blessing. But I, I will say that prior to that, um, 
you know, I did think I was getting control of the liquor situation or the food situation when I first came into the um, rooms, you know, and, and it was by God's grace that, that Bob, that myself, that um, like back on page 32, he fell victim to the belief, which practically every alcoholic has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline would find him qualified to drink as other men. And boy, I'm so grateful for the, I'm so grateful for all that's happened in this journey and grateful that I found vision. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, uh, Lisa J.R. Camille P., please go ahead. Hi, this is Camille P. in California. And um, I've been on the meeting for a long time, but I haven't shared during a meeting before. I think I was nervous and waiting till I had something really great to say. And um, I just felt led to do it anyway today. So um, I wanted to thank you guys. I'm coming up on a year of recovery and God willing. Um, and this has been such a huge part of my recovery. I felt like, I had found, um, I don't know, the thing that was missing because I was trying to work the steps before and it was a slower way and I wasn't getting better. I'd heard the ninth step promises and I kept thinking that's for everyone um, else and that won't happen for me. And um, I was thinking about uh, how my sponsor would I, the only guide I had was you guys and my sponsor. And so I had to go on faith um, that you guys were, uh, that would happen for me as well. So anyways, she would tell me to do difficult things. I would feel like they weren't going to work and I didn't want to do them. And then I would do them and then it would get better. And a huge part of that was the ninth step. Um, so I know that's related to our reading and the first amends I made was the one, the biggest one I didn't want to make. It was to someone who had done a lot of wrong. And, but I had done a, what I see is a little wrong, <laughs> but um, all I was to focus on was my part. And it brought so much relief after I did it. And I found that going through the ninth step, the amends, some were not as hard as others, but there was, I felt like it was like my soul had been dark and all this light was coming on as I made each one and it's brought a lot of freedom. Um, the other thing I was thinking was about facing our problems squarely that in daily life now is still, um, a new concept because I liked retreating into the food for a really long time. And so I do think there's kind of like the habits take a while to undo, um, but I was, the 10th step really helps me with that. Something came up last night. I felt super uncomfortable. I had a, a uncomfortable interaction that made me feel anxious. And in the past, I would freeze up with that anxiety and go to the pantry and um, not be able to think clearly. So I would just keep going to the pantry. And instead, I did a 10th step. It shaved off enough of that emotion to help me um, clear my head. And then I did a, an act of service to somebody in the family and that cleared it more. And so, um, anyways, uh, I'm super grateful for this program and this new way of life and for all of you. Thanks. And I will pass. Thank you, Camille P. Uh, Sherry KB, please go ahead. 
Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everybody. Sherry Cabin in Northern California, grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thanks for your service, Kathy, and welcome everybody on the line. So here in um, the third paragraph on page 155, sometime later he just, just as he thought he was getting control of his liquor situation, he went on a roaring bender. For him, this was the spree that ended all threes. He saw that he would have to face his problems squarely, that God might give him mastery. And, you know, I, I was always told uh, when I went through the steps that, you know, I use, I, I use prayer with the steps, when I'm, especially the action steps. And so, you know, to me, going through this book, the way I was taken through, prepared me to want to do the step work. Like I was biting at the bit, per se, to do the step work. Um, and then, you know, getting into the action steps, five, you know, five through basically 11 and 12. 11, sorry, my cat's crying. Um, anyhow, um, but, you know, it seems to me that Bob did not, you know, he, he wasn't doing what he needed to do in, like, in step nine, so that's why he went on a bender. And so, you know, a lot of people say you have to do this, you have to do that. And, you know, I always suggest because I know that for me when someone says you have to do something, it's like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm allergic to flour and sugar and being told what to do. So I have to really have to have suggestion. And so I've learned to do that with people that I work with. I suggest, you know, when you're doing a ninth step, you know, let's talk about it. When you have a question about a ninth step, let's please talk to three recovered people. You don't have to do this alone. You're not alone in this. And that's really important, I think, um, this thing. And the fact that when he did his rounds of making his amends, he could he could look people in the eye. He came home very happy. And I just know that, you know, I ate over things um, for years, um, and I didn't realize that food was just the symptom and underneath was a, a lot of problems going on that I wasn't facing. And I believe this is, this is a disease of hiding. And so by me doing the step work, getting out there and making an amends, which I have, um, changes my life, and it opens me up and living in the steps and working the steps, and that's the difference is taking the action. These are action steps we're talking about. And so um, I know that now I can find actually relief in the steps, living in 10, 11, and 12, leaning on my higher power instead of going into the food face down. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Uh, thank you, AKB. And Deb W., you'll be our last share today. Okay, thank you. Um, Deb W., I've heard a lot of good stuff. Some of it was what I was thinking. But I am going to go to that <clears throat> on uh, page 156. He trembled as he went about. For his, This might mean ruin, uh, particularly to a person in his line of business. And what I found uh, doing the um, that step is it deflated my ego. You know, I became not important any longer, but I came equal to those that maybe I even, you know, I judged or, you know, I lied on, I gossiped about. You know, I was willing to shine the flashlight on myself and become vulnerable. You know, this is who I am. This is what I did. And what I found is most of the time, for the most part, a lot of it had to do with what I had conceived others were thinking about me and, uh, you know, how they would 
view me if I if I let myself be open to them. And most of the times it did not happen. It was a lie that had just stayed in the shadows that I carried all these years. And uh, a lot of times people had even forgotten it. But for whatever the reason, I had to uh, brush the dust out of the, the cobwebs, out of the closet. And um, and then, you know, those really tough ones, um, you know, they uh, had an answer, too. Yeah, I think it's important to talk with a, a seasoned sponsor about it before we just fly off. But for the, I, I do know that the ones that I did, that it's also a spiritual uh, step process. It's not only, you know, it's not only me deciding to hop up and do it, maybe he was ready, maybe this was the time God had him ready, but also God paved the way for us before we go into making that uh, amends. So we've got to believe that, that God is in this thing too, uh, in this poor program and even in the amends. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deb W. Okay. It's now time to close the meeting. Um, we will close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And, Deb W., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Okay, Deb W. recovered in Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Get free of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you in 